My wife is officially 37 weeks pregnant today. Which for the men in this room that maybe know very little about uh, babies like me, um, that means the baby can start like, it can come like at any time now, I guess. So, you know, if I have to just leave after one point in the sermon, I'll share the rest of the points during the week or something. Or <laughs> um, and so people keep asking me, you know, this is my first kid, they keep asking me if I'm nervous. And I keep telling people, no, I'm not nervous, I'm unprepared. I don't know what I'm doing. Um, you know, we had a bridal, uh, 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 not a bridal, that was yesterday, I was at a wedding. We had a baby shower a few weeks ago, and, you know, when we're getting these gifts, I'm like, thank you so much for this thing. <laughs> Carolina, what is this exactly? <laughs> I've learned a lot of new words in this season. Swaddle, didn't know that word before. Nesting, okay, that's a new one for me. I'm learning a lot in this season. And so I had never been to a baby shower before. I didn't actually know I was supposed to go, but I ended up going to this baby shower. I didn't know what to expect. You don't go with your guy friends to their baby showers, okay? It's not something that you do on the weekend. And so we had this baby shower. We're doing all this. I have no idea. I'm just thinking I'm there to look pretty or whatever. And so I show up and they... Um, say, hey, Josiah, you need to then, like halfway through this thing, you need to come up and we have something for you to do. And I'm like, Carolina, you didn't tell me about this. Like, what are we doing? I'm in front of all these ladies. And so they bring me up to the front and then they take out a baby doll and they put this baby doll in front of me and they put some like powder and like a little fake, you know, uh, uh, bottle there and they had, there's another diaper. And so, and so I'm starting to get what they're asking. They're explaining, Josiah you know, is going to change this diaper. I've never changed a diaper in my life, okay? Let me just put that out there right now. Um, so I come up here, and then they say they're going to time me for this exercise, right? So I come up here, the baby's in front of me, and they say, go. And so I got this baby. I'm like, okay, you know, where do we get the, okay, this is how these diapers work. They detach here. This is genius. Okay, take this. And I open, they're like, okay, support the head. I'm like, okay, you know, I forgot the baby doesn't have any muscles. Okay, let's support the head right here. And I open this thing up, and they had put, like, chalk, like, smushed Nutella, <laughs> like, nasty chocolate on the inside of this. And they're like, so, you know, they're, everyone's looking, they're all laughing, and they got the little wipies next to it. And while everyone's laughing, I'm like, you know, because I got a really a powerful imagination. And I'm like, this, what are we doing here? Like, I don't, like, I am just every step through this. I'm trying to keep it light and like, haha, this is fun. Like, hee hee. And it is actually hitting me in this moment that when I'm changing the diaper, it's for whatever reason, this was the moment that just started hitting me. Like, you are way over your head. Like, this is going to be a real reality that you will be living in just a few weeks, and you are ill-prepared for this, my friend. And so I'm getting these wipies, and I'm cleaning, you know, this, and then they're like, well, you know, it's a little boy, so you got to watch out for the golden shower, another term I learned in this time. So I'm wiping this baby the whole time. I'm like, what? What do I do with this? They're like, we can't tell you. 
you know, I put the diaper on backwards, I had to take it back off. I mean, I'm absolutely and utterly embarrassing myself. I don't know what I'm doing up here. And over and over and over, I kind of come to that. Like, so I finally finish this baby. The arm falls off. No. I finish <laughs> this baby. And, uh, you know, we finish. And they kind of give me a round of applause. And I'm like, okay, I'm never going to the baby shower again in my lifetime. I tell you what, that was, I don't have a lot of experiences where I feel like I'm totally just, I don't know what I'm doing. But that was clearly one of them. That was clearly a moment in my life that, like I said, I hope I don't ever have to, you know, obviously I have the experience after my baby comes out, probably too much experience, but there's times in our life when we go through circumstances and we just don't know what to do. And it's something new that happens to you, it's a new experience. I'll tell you what, none of us were prepared to go through what we went through the last two years. There's no crash course about how to survive or go through or navigate two long year and going pandemic with all the other things that went on last year, right? And so what do we do when we jump into a new thing, a new season, a new uh, experience in our life, and we just don't know what to do, and we don't know what to do with, with what we've been given, like me with this baby, it can cause a problem when you don't know to, what to do with what you've been given. And Jesus talks about this whole topic about what to do and knowing what to do with what you've been given. But he talks about it in, in even a more serious way. You know, he really wants to look at the things that he's entrusted us with. Like, what are the things that God has given to you that maybe he's given to nobody else? Or maybe what are the things that God has given to you that he's given it to you in a greater supply than he's given to somebody else in your life. We are each created in a unique way. And God has created us and gifted us and wired us uniquely. You may look like your siblings, but you are different than your siblings. You may have similarities to your best friends, but you are different than your best friends. And so what do we do? Um, what do we do when we don't know what to do with what we've been given? And Jesus dives into this in Matthew 25, and he gives us a parable to talk about when we've been given these things, what are we supposed to do with it? What are you supposed to do with your resources? What are you supposed to do with your talents and your abilities? What are you supposed to do with your responsibilities and your opportunities? Is the whole essence of life just getting as far as we can go, or is there something greater in God's, in God's world? Is there something more significant that we're supposed to be doing with the things that we've been entrusted with. Matthew 25, we're going to be jumping into verses 14 through 30, but instead of diving into all of them, I'm going to paraphrase, just kind of give you a high-level, super short snippet of where we're jumping into. This parable is a story of, that Jesus is telling about a master, an owner, and this master has three different servants. He gives each servant a different amount of talent, or it's a, it's a resource that he gives them. Each servant is allotted a different resource, and, he, he, and there's a time where he's away and goes on a journey, and he comes back after that journey, and he kind of inspects the results of what his servants have done. So let's dive into verse 14. We're going to just take this little chunk at a time. Verse 14. For it, talking about the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of heaven will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted them to his property. 
To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, each according to his ability. Then he went away. If you're taking notes this morning, we're talking about what to do with what you've been given. And if you're taking notes, write this down. Identify, the first thing we need to do is identify what you have been given. Tap the person next to you and tell them, You've been given something. You can say, I don't know what that something is, but you've been given something. Each and every one of us in this room has been given something. You have been given things from God. Whether you're aware of it or you're not aware of it, the Bible says that every good gift is from the Father of heavenly lights. So if I trust the truth of the Bible, then I know that there's things in my life that God has given me. Things I've been blessed with, some of the responsibility that you have in your life from God, some of the amazing opportunities you've had in your life. You thought it was just me, maybe some of it, but from God. Uh, Some of the resources you have in your life, the Bible says that God is the giver of wealth from God. And so their talents, our abilities, our wiring, there's so much that sometimes we can give give credit to ourselves, but really comes from God. This idea that Jesus talks about in the story of a master giving his property or giving talents, which is a monetary uh, unit of measurement, to his servants would have been very common in Jesus' day. His initial audience would have understood this, right? It's similar to if an owner or a regional director over a you know, supermarket entrusts three different managers with a different amount of this company and say, hey, you're responsible for this. You're responsible for this, and you're responsible for this, and I'm going to come back after a corporate trip, and I'm going to check on what you've done with what I've entrusted you. In these verses, it's interesting, and I don't want you to miss it, that each and every servant has been given a different portion. Each and every one of us in this room has different giftings and abilities, but not just do you have different giftings and abilities than the person next to you, but you also may have a different portion. Jesus is giving us some heavenly truth, right? That's what a parable is. It's an earthly story that explains a divine or heavenly truth. And he's helping us to understand that not everybody has the same amount in life. We know that, right? It's sometimes the reason we get jealous of our neighbor because they have more than us. It's like this stinking car barely even starts, but they got a really nice 2022. I just want that. Right? We're aware of what people around us have, and it's so easy to get discontent with what we have in life. But let me tell you this. There is a power in taking a moment to identify not just what your neighbor has next door or even what your your friends have on social media, but being able to identify what you have in your life. Psychologists, researchers have studied over and over and over and over again this idea of thanksgiving and gratitude. And every time that we buy something new, new car, new TV, new house, new this, that, new phone, we, you know, our happiness level jumps up for a while, but researchers have found that once our heaven, happiness levels have gone up, they always seem to go back down to a certain point. 
And in their research, super fascinating, they found that there's an activity, a practice, an action that we as human beings can do that once we've bought or got something that's new, right, that new car smell starts to fade away. It's not as exciting after you've had it for a few months. And so how can we slow this process down where our happiness drops? They said after all the research, the profound insight that they came upon was this. The way to slow down and also keep your happiness levels up is to practice gratitude. Practice thanksgiving. Top colleges and research institutions in the world have continued to come to the same conclusion of gratitude and thanksgiving. And I think that it's so important in our walk that we're so gifted, we have so much, and yet our, all that we've been given can become so little in our eyes when we focus on what other people have. And I think gratitude is like taking a magnifying glass and once again really being able to, to expand the beauty that each and every one of us have in our life. When was the last time you thanked God for something that you have in your life? When was the last time that you thanked God for the people that means so much to you, so much more than anything you can ever buy? Say, God, thank you for these people in my life. I found that when I would pray, I would immediately jump to my list of things that I needed to ask God for, right? Uh, God, I need this. I want this. God, can you give me this? Can you help me? And the Bible says that sometimes we don't get because we don't ask, right? So, in other words, ask. We're praying for a little baby. I pray for a baby boy. I said, Lord, I'd be happy with any baby, healthy baby, but can I have a baby boy? That'd be really great. Lord, can I get that? And I got a baby boy. I got a baby born. And so I have started to take this practice of identifying every time I pray, before I ask anything from God, I actually pause and identify and I look at the good things that I have in my life and I thank God for those things before I ever move on to the requesting portion of my prayer. And not only do that, we do that with the things that we have in our, in our life, our relationships and the things that we've been given, but also do we do that with our responsibility, with our opportunity? Because when it uses the word talent here, God is not just talking about the resources that you have, even though that's part of it. He's talking about everything that he's given you. He's talking about your abilities, your talents in a different sense, right? You know, like America's got talent. Simon said, You're, it's not you. Go, right? That type of... Your opportunities, your knowledge, your time, your money, these things that you've been entrusted with, your health. There's people right now in the hospital. What are you doing with your health? Your time. Some people, their entire existence ended this past week. They're done. Their story is over here on earth. They've now crossed over and they're in eternity now. What did they do with their time? No matter how much money in the world you have, you cannot buy more time. It's an amazing, amazing resource. People oftentimes too late in their life say, I wish I would have changed some habits so I could have more time. And God has bestowed and entrusted us with all of these different things. And what's so easy to happen is we can get so focused on the amounts that everybody else has or the things that everybody else has and forget to identify the beauty and the gifts and the ability and the responsibility and the opportunities and the resources that God has actually entrusted you too. And don't miss that word. He's entrusted you. He didn't mistakenly give you what he gave you, 
No, he, see, the master, to be able to give different portions to different servants, he needed to know, he needed to know his servants. And there's nobody that knows you better than God. And so the things that you have in your life, even though you may not understand all of them, let me tell you this, the giftings and abilities and resources, the God who knows you, even if you don't know him, has given you those things. God is, he knows you better than anybody. And he said, yeah, I don't want to give them this gift. I don't want to give them this thing or this resource. This is the perfect amount for this season. This is the perfect gifting and resource and opportunity. This is for them. God has entrusted so much to us. So the verse finishes and says, and then he went away. And if you're taking notes, we're going to move into our second point here. Not only do we identify what we've been given, but we need to work with what we've been given. Listen to verse 16. He who received the first, the, he who received the five talents went at once and traded with them. And he made five more talents. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more. So the five, the guy with five made five. The guy with two made two. Verse 18. But he who had received the one talent did something different. He went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Say master's money to the person next to you. That's super important for you to notice. Because so quickly, the things that we've been given from God, even though I want you to have an ownership over them, don't ever forget that they're God's. And God can give and he can take away, but even this servant realized that these resources that I've been entrusted with, even though they're in my possession, they're not ultimately mine. And so each servant had a responsibility being entrusted. There was an expectation that they came back and did something with those resources. You know, when we were young, you get some money from your dad. If you get an allowance or you didn't get an allowance, maybe you steal from the coin jar that they had in their bedroom. I'm not saying that from experience. <laughs> no, but you ask your parents, you say, hey, listen, you know, me and, me and Grant, my brother, we want to go get some ice cream. And, you know, you know if you didn't have money, your dad's like, all right, let me, I'll give you 10 bucks or something like that. And if I was with my, if my mom heard, she'd like, get me an ice cream too. If I then show up and say, we just went for a joy ride. We just got so lost in the tunes and the summer and the wind was blowing in our hair. And we just, I don't know, we just totally forgot about McDonald's. Here's the same money. I'll tell you what. My mom's not going to be super happy that she didn't get her ice cream. <laughs> there is an expectation. I gave you resources. You're supposed to do something with those resources and bring something back to me. People who live in the financial world, this is the world they live in, the world of ROI, return on investment. I'm entrusting you with my investment. I'm not giving you my investment so you can give it back to me in two years with 0% interest. We got inflation to fight over here, okay? <laughs> Gas is $5. I don't need 0% back on my money. I need at least 7% of my money. I'm trusting you with my money to give me a return because I want a profit. I want something for my investment. God has invested with you. He does not expect you to just sit on what he's given you and do nothing with. When the servant... 
I, I want to get this across. The, the first servant with five, listen to the language of, of the scripture. He says, went at once and traded with them. See, there is an understanding of his responsibility. This servant knew that time was of the essence. He didn't know if his master was coming back in a week or six months or a year. And to be honest, it didn't really matter. He knew the most important thing, his master was coming back. And so with the understanding that he knew that his master was coming back, he went at once, directly, urgently, to start producing that return on the master's investment into his life. The second servant did the same thing, took the two talents, invested that. We don't know exactly how it happened, but took those two talents. Maybe he flipped some things on eBay or whatever the eBay of their day was, turned it into four, but the third servant, the third servant, while these other two servants are out there working, trying to produce for their master, took the master's investment in his life, dug a hole in the ground, put the money there, put the dirt back on the hole, and moved on with his life. He didn't really care when the master was returning. The money was safe. It's not going to make anything in the ground. The ground represents the fact that he hid the treasure represents the fact that he did nothing with what he was given. He didn't do anything with it. Let me say this. He didn't take any risks with it. Sometimes we have so much that God's given us, but we're afraid to lose it, and so we bury it in the ground, whatever that looks like in our life. We do not use it. We put it behind us. We save it for another season. We say, God, I'm going to serve you or use my gifts in the future for you. That's the same thing as burying your talent, your treasure, your resources in the ground. God is saying, I did not give you and entrust you with so much for you to squander that in the ground. If the master wanted to do that, he could have done that himself and buried it in a location where new, nobody knew. He wanted his servant to be entrusted. There was a testing period with his resources, and he wanted his servants to produce on those resources. He entrusted his servants and was expecting a return. God has called us to use what we've been given. It is our responsibility. There is an expectation from God that one day we will have to give account for, and you'll stand before God, and God will say, what did you do with what I entrusted you with? What did you do with your time on earth? You say, well, God, I only had 60 years. This guy had 80 years, or this woman had 80 years. God's like, I know. I gave them 80, but I gave you 60. What did you do with 60? God, I only, I only made 60000 or whatever a year. God, that person was making two hundred. How could I? And God goes, yeah, yeah, I know. I gave it to them. I know that they got the two hundred. I gave it to them. I'm not concerned about what they made. I'm concerned about what did you do with your sixty. God, I, I, I'm not over all these people. These, you know, they're over, you know, they have all these people at the store, or whatever, they're over, they have their own business. I don't have that. And God goes, yeah, yeah, but you were over your family. What'd you do with that? Well, God, they, no, 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 I, I, God's like, I, I know, I gave them that. They were my other servant over here, but I, you're only responsible for what you were given, not what you weren't given. What did you do with what I gave you? What did you do with what I entrusted you with? What did I do? What did you do with what I invested into you? 
And God, let me say this, God knows our potential better than anybody else. Don't ever believe the lies of people around you that will try to tear you down and say that you can't do this, you can't do that. I know your story. God knows your potential better than anybody else. He gave you the investment because he knows your potential. He gave you the investment. Those words can only mess with your mind, but they cannot squander your investment. The only person that can squander the investment that God has made into your life, the only person that holds the keys of power to do it is you. It's us. And so these servants get all these different amounts, and God is saying to the servants, and if you're a follower of Jesus, you're a servant of him as well, what he is saying to us is he's saying, work with what you've been given. Don't get distracted by everybody else around you that has all of these different things. Work with what you've been given. And when we work with what we've been given, God will always increase what we have. And let's go into that. So that's the, that's the third point. Let's go. What do you do with what you've been given? Number three, number three, expect to give an account of what you've been given. Expect to give an account. This is the kind of crux of the passage here. We're going to jump into verse 19. We're going to read a few verses. And this is what Jesus is saying here. Not, uh, not, now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, this is servant one, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here I have made five talents more. Now this is the master's response. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. Just pause there real quick. This guy in the group was given the most, and yet God says, still calls it a little bit. In other words, in God's economy, there's always room to grow. The, the most in this story, in God's, you're like, well, I have so much already. Test God. You got so much already, you think that's enough? God can exponentially increase what you had. When Nathan comes to David in the Old Testament and he sins, Nathan tells David, you had everything, you were king, but if you had wanted more, all you had to do was ask. And he was king. Everything at his disposal. You have been faithful over a little, I I will set you over much, enter Enter into the joy of your master. And he also had, and he also who had the two talents came forward saying, Master, you have delivered to me two talents here. I have made two talents more. His master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little, and I will, get, I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. Now here's the third servant. He also, who had received the one talent, came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you had scattered no seed. So I was afraid, say afraid to your neighbor. I was afraid, that's a key emotion, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. There's almost a little bit of irony there. He's like, you know, here, I, here's exactly what you gave me. I mean, we don't know how long of a period of time is, but if this was over years or even over nine months and you had entrusted somebody with your resources, let's use money because it's easy to understand, and you said, here's 
$10,000, go turn it into something for me. And they brought you back after six months, $10,000 again and said, here you go. You say, why did I give you that money again? Weren't you supposed to like give me 5% on that? But his master answered him, you wicked and lazy servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scattered no, where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to. He's like, you, you at bare minimum, you should have invested in the bank. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, Chase Bankers, or whoever your banker are. And at my coming, I should have received what was my own with interest. Expect to give an account. You know, when we were, when we were younger in our, when our, in our house, Saturday was chore day for us. And sometimes my parents would leave on chore day and be like me and my brother at the house. And we had some chores. He would do the, I would do the upstairs. He'd do the downstairs. We'd have to sweep the floor like Cinderella. Cinderella, Cinderella. You know, that's, we're out there. We're scrubbing. We're cleaning. But as any, you know, good teenagers or middle schoolers throughout the years, um, a lot of times we wait to the last minute or we would forget how many parents know what I'm talking about. And so, uh, you know, if my parents were feeling real gracious, they were feeling real gracious that day, they would text us about 20 minutes like, hey, we're on our way home. Make sure the chores are done. And you're like, Grant, we need to do it right now. We have a short amount of time. Go, go, go. If they weren't feeling so gracious, we would just start to hear the garage door go up. And we know the sound in our house. Like you can tell who's walking around. Like, and so immediately when that thing goes up, me and Grant, like we'd be playing. We'd be like, well, you got to start the day with some Pop-Tarts on Saturday, watch some cartoons or something. Then we're playing video. So we'd have our headset, but we'd have like one off. We'd hear it. If we heard that garage door go up, that Xbox, those controllers are thrown so quickly to the side. We would run upstairs, take out, you know, cleaning supplies, you know, the quickest clean of all time, get it. And then they would like just walk in the door, right? And my dad, really trying to build up my character, <laughs> on several occasions after this would happen, would take me upstairs, would do an inspection an inspection of what I did. And no joke, this is what would happen. Josiah, uh, Josiah, can you come upstairs? I'm like, oh, no. And he would, I would go upstairs and he'd say, he would be like, he would be standing, he'd say, get down, get down on your knees real quick. I'd get down on my knees. He'd say, stand right next to me. So we both get down. He'd get out a paper towel. He'd just wipe the bottom of the toilet. He said, all that yellow? You see all that yellow right there, Josiah? That's pee. That's pee right there. That's gross. Clean the toilet. Go get the stuff out. Clean the toilet again. Like, this is what would happen. And I knew that when my dad was inspecting, if I didn't do a really good job on that toilet, I was going to have the, this is pee. This is what you guys do. You're gross. Clean that up, you know? Like, this is what happened. If I didn't put the right time and energy and diligence into it, he was going to catch it. There was no getting by him. There was an expectation. So I would start to build in this expectation. Okay, I know the areas that I need to clean because I know what he's going to watch. So I need to do a thorough and good job on it because I'm expecting him. 
It's a horrible thing to be unprepared and, you know, to not hear your parents. They come in and then you're not ready. The job's not done. That feeling right there is worse because there's always consequences. In our life with God, it is very similar We don't know exactly when God is going to return. We don't know exactly when the inspection happens for our life. But I'll tell you what, it's going to happen. And he is going to inspect the work that we've done, the life that we've lived, the time that we've had, the resources that we've spent. And one day, each and every one of us, not for the neighbor, not for your friend, but have to give account for ourselves. And there's something that changes in us when we expect to give an account. Like when it's not just, well, this is me, I do whatever I want, but when you're a servant and you know the master that you serve and there's an expectation that he's coming back, hey, you don't want to miss one day. You want to be fully and totally prepared to, be make, to make sure that whenever your master shows up, whenever they return, that you have done a good job so you can receive a good reward. And it is the same exact way in our life. The master came, and it was after a long time. So the danger is that after a long time, we say, well, gee, you know, God's not back. Well, God's not back. God's not back. But we never know when our last day is. There are so many people that, keep, that I've had conversations with. They're like, I'm like, you are so gifted and talented. What are you doing for God? Like, you know, you're a Christian. Like, what are you doing with what, you know, your talents, your business mind? Like, what are you doing with that? And so I'm just, well, Pastor, you don't really understand. I'm so busy right now. Man, when you stand before God one day, if that, all that time, that in the future, in a season in the future, I'm going to do it. If you never get to that season in the future when you're going to do it, and your life is cut short and you stand before God, and God says, what'd you do with all I gave you? I gave you this brilliant mind. I gave you these talents and abilities. What'd you do with it? And our response is, we were busy. God goes, wait a minute, you were too busy for me? God, you just don't know. I was like, I was expanding. There was rapid expansion. I was doing six, seven days a week. I was working hard. I was like, yeah, God's like, yeah, yeah, I know, I know. He's like, you know what I also know? You make time for what's most important in your life. And if I wasn't that important for you in your life, then you didn't make a lot of time for me in your life. And those things that I trusted you with to build up my kingdom, you ended up building your kingdom without my kingdom being built. And I've called you as my child, to use your gifting. That was not just for you to build up your kingdom. More importantly, it was for you to build up my kingdom. There was people in the world that were all around you that I had given you gifts to bless them, to work with them, to come alongside them, to encourage them. And you were so busy and preoccupied with everything that was going on. It was like you buried your treasure in the ground, your talent and your ability, and you just buried it in the ground. And I gave you that so you can show the world who I was. I can imagine that this third servant, when he hears these words from the master, you wicked and lazy servant, it just just hits the servant in the moment. It just hits the servant. You know, God is less concerned with the amount of resources that you have more. We're really concerned with that. What God is supremely concerned with is how faithful you are with what he's given we get all caught up in like the amount. Well, I have less than this, and God's like, no, 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 no. Just, just are you faithful with what I've given you? And we can really easily get caught into despising the small things, but you never get to the top unless you start with the small. You never get to the big unless you start at the beginning. 
And God is saying, yeah, you want to do all of this for me, but you won't even mop the floor for me. You want to do all of this for everybody else, but you won't even do the simple things. Do you know how I train you for that? I train you here. Back to David. You know how I trained David to be a king? He was a shepherd in the fields. Uh, nobody saw that. That wasn't fancy. It wasn't, you know, the, the job that anybody wanted. But he learned to be a king here, not here. And God has called us. God has called some of you to amazing destinies. Like if you could just for a moment pull back the curtain on what your life is going to be or the potential of what your life is going to be and see your abilities, your giftings, but what God could do with it with you fully sold out to him, with you giving your best to him, if you could see that, you wouldn't want anything else. If you could see what God could do and God's like, I want you to be there, but you cannot skip here. Don't despise this because this is the road to me using you in greater ways. Don't despise the small beginnings. Be faithful with the small and I will expand what you're able to influence more than you can possibly imagine it. But if you despise the small, you will never work the small. If you despise the small, you will never be faithful with the small. If you despise the small, you will overlook the small. I've called you to start and to be faithful with the small. And when you are faithful with the small, he always increases your influence to more. He always increases it. And this is a spiritual principle. You know, sometimes I pray in my finances. I literally pray, will pray this, and I've been praying this. I said, Lord, you have seen how I've managed my finances more than anybody else. You've seen how I've been generous with people. You've seen how I've, I've, I haven't lived above my expenses. You, you've seen how I pull back in certain areas. You see how I don't have debt, God. You see how I've managed when I had a little bit and when I had more, God. And so if, if you're the giver, if you want to give me more, God, look at what I have, and that's your will. But God, I've been a good steward. In other words, what am I saying? I understand how God works. God's saying, God's like, okay, show me that you can handle a little. And why I will increase your influence to more. Show me how you can handle leading a small group before you lead a ministry. Show me how you can lead a ministry before you lead a church. Show me how you can lead a church before you lead churches. Show me how you can lead your family before you ever lead other families. Show me how you can lead your coworker before you lead a team of staff. Show me how you can handle $1,000 before you, you can handle a million. And you know who made that quote? The final quote was Rockefeller, who was one of the richest men of all time. He said, if you can't learn to tithe on $1,000, then you'll never tithe on a million. Yeah. Fourth and last, what to do with what we've been given. Understand how the transfer principle, and we talked about this already, but we're going to dive in. Understand how the transfer principle affects what you've been given. This is the greatest influence upon what you have. This is a little scary, too, to be honest with you. It's a little bit like when I read it, I'm like, ooh, I don't know if I like that, God. But when I read it, I'm like, okay, like, I, you know, it's either like believe it and, 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 and uh, you know, change to it or just kind of deny it, right? So listen to verse 28. So take the talent... This is the punishment. So take the talent from the servant, the lazy servant, and give it to him who has ten talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. 
but from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast that worthless servant into the darkness, in that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Let me say verse 29 in a way that I feel like captures it. It's just inserting a word that we already know. But for to everyone who has been faithful, more will be given. And they will have an abundance. But for the person who has not been faithful, even what they have will be taken away. This is a divine spiritual, transcendent truth that can transform your life entirely if you can master it. If you can learn to be faithful with the small, then when other people are, God is taking away from other people because they've been bad stewards, you know who he gives them to? The faithful. Not only are you increasing because you've taken what is the master's and you've, you've taken what is the master's and you've doubled that or done whatever you can to multiply and say, God, I just want to be faithful. And let me tell you, our motivation is not simply reward. Our motivation is love. Our motivation is I deeply love you, God, so I want to use the best of what I have to advance your kingdom, to honor you, Lord. I want to show my love through my deeds, through my sacrifice, through my service, God. I want to give you the best because you've given all for me. You've given all for me, God, so how can I not give you my best? How could I not give you my best hours? How could I not give you the best of my talents and my resources? How could I not use what you've given me, God, because it's already yours? And this principle is transforming. The talent is the God principle. The master is the one who's looking at all of his servants. He's looking out at all of us and the life that we live. And there's some people that he looks at and he goes, you know what? I've given you time. I've been patient with you. I've waited for you to use what you've given. But because you haven't, I'm going to take that. And you know what? This person over here, no one even knows them, but they've been so faithful. I'm going to give that to them. He says, this person, you know, I mean, God, God, is the, God is the greatest man. He's looking over all of our lives. He knows them better. And he's looking at how we're using what we have. And some of us, he's looking at us and saying, you know, I'm going to take what, what I've given you, and I'm going to give that to this person over here because I've seen that they're, they're using it and they're multiplying what they have. You're burying, you're, you're not even using what I, you're burying it, and so I'm not going to allow my gifts to be buried. I'm going to take that and give that to somebody else who's going to use it and multiply and bless people with it. And there's a principle here, and some people say, well, I don't, I don't feel like I have much. Not having much is equivalent to not being faithful. Because God's promise here is abundance when we are faithful with the little. And abundance may be different for everybody, but listen, I want abundance in my life. And so it may be a journey to accumulating whatever God has entrusted you with, whether that's influence or resources or responsibility. That may be a journey, but start that journey by being faithful. And when you pass this and God brings you into the next season, say, God, maybe it's not totally where I want to be. This is the long term, but I'm going to continue to be faithful. As long as you have me here, God, I will be faithful to what you've called me to. I will be faithful. 